0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the governor says there won't be any more school closings because of COVID-19, no matter how bad it gets.
1: Whatever the future may hold, uh, school closures should be off the table. Uh, They don't do anything to mitigate COVID, but they do cause catastrophic damage to the physical, mental, and social well-being of our youth. Uh, let's not re- repeat any mistakes of the past.
0: Ron DeSantis says keeping kids out of school does more harm to them than COVID does. He's also claiming credit for the return of high school football.
1: Fall sports resumed here in the state of Florida in all 67 counties. That would not have happened uh, without the state's backing.
0: The only thing missing from the governor's press conference was the big banner in the background saying, mission accomplished. Unions representing the faculty and grad students at the University of Florida are demanding answers after being ordered back to the classroom next semester.
2: These decisions were not made in the sunshine and all signs point to backdoor pressure from the governor to project a sense of normalcy as the source. This is eerily similar to a major theme of the Trump reelection campaign.
0: Other universities are also pressuring faculty to teach in person next semester instead of remotely. And the unions wanna know who is behind this, but they know And you do, too, if you were listening about 30 seconds ago. Today on Sunrise In-Depth, you'll hear about a new study from Congress that says Florida has a lot at stake in the fight against global warming. It says we could save more than 100,000 lives here in the Sunshine State by going back to the goals of the Paris Agreement. You know, the one that was overturned by Donald Trump.
3: Simply put, for the last four years, the Trump administration has been playing this game of chicken with Mother Nature. That's been the approach.
0: We'll also have your calendar of political events and check in with a couple of Florida men who lost their jobs as battalion chiefs after female firefighters accused them of sexual harassment. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, October 21st. It was on this day in 1797 that the U.S. Navy frigate Constitution was launched in Boston Harbor. Old Ironsides is the oldest commissioned naval vessel still afloat, thanks in part to some North Florida timber. The live oak that was used in the last rebuild of the Constitution came from the St. Joe Land, east of Tallahassee, and the swamp forests in Georgia. The Health Department reports 86 more fatalities and almost 3,700 new cases of COVID-19 in Florida. The total number of cases now exceeds 760,000. The death toll has reached 16,308. Florida may be third in the nation in the number of coronavirus cases, but that did not stop the governor from declaring there will be no more school closings because of COVID. Ron DeSantis says keeping kids out of the classroom does more harm than the virus.
1: Health is a state of physical, mental and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. And I think as COVID hit, particularly in March when there was a lot of apprehension and fear, uh, a lot of folks lost sight of that. Um, but when we looked at what was going to go on with our school system this year? Uh, we knew that the physical, mental, and social well-being of our kids required us to provide them uh, with the option of in-person learning. And so, in July, uh, I told uh, the commissioner that this was one of the state's top priorities. All private and charter schools needed to be able to open and operate as a matter of right, regardless of, of local uh, rules and. We wanted all 67 counties their school districts to offer in-person instruction now we were given parents a choice to opt for continued distance learning if they wanted to uh, but we knew that we needed to get kids back in the classroom and the evidence was abundantly clear then and it's obviously even more clear now uh, that that schools are not drivers of spreading coronavirus uh, and schools need to be open Uh, it is a bad public health policy uh, to have schools closed and so today uh, all 67 counties in Florida uh, are open for in-person instruction including Miami-Dade County and Broward County. We have more than 60% of students in Florida, 1.8 million uh, are receiving in-person instruction and. We have to face the facts there was gaps in learning that were uh that built up over march april may and june of course uh, over the summer although we did work to get summer instruction available for many many students Uh, but having the kids back in now in many parts of the state you're talking about two months that the kids have been back in and um, and i think that that's something that we can look and now pretty much everyone acknowledges that having schools open is the right thing to do it doesn't matter if it's in asia europe united states all across the sun belt all across other parts of our country uh, we've seen that having in person instruction is vital and it's something that that needs to continue a lot of our charters really led the way a lot of the private schools because they did not have to deal with political opposition uh, from the union. And the union filed lawsuits. They've gotten uh, totally um, uh, dismissed out of hand, those those bogus claims. But their goal was to keep kids out of school, and they were wrong. Going forward, whatever the future may hold, uh, school closures should be off the table. Uh, They don't do anything to mitigate COVID, but they do cause catastrophic damage to the physical, mental, and social well-being of our youth. Uh, let's not re- repeat any mistakes of the past.
0: The only thing missing was the big Mission Accomplished sign. But who needs a sign when you have Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran there to sing your praises?
4: Let's stop this discussion. Is it safe because of COVID and ignore the discussion. Is it safe not to send them back because of COVID? Which one is more um, to the point to their health and emotional and social well-being, which one's more dangerous? And it's overwhelmingly clear that not having these kids interacting in schools is just overwhelmingly more and it's an absolute risk it's there, there it's there COVID when it comes to these culture is virtually de minimis or no risk and we're seeing that from the reopening what we have done is absolutely special it is great and the kids are getting that world-class education they deserve and the best mode that they possibly can and honestly governor it's uh, hats off to you it would not happen because it has not happened in other states um what we're seeing here in florida so as far as the reopening goes i'll say it um it has been an absolute overwhelming success to date we're still vigilant every day we're still making sure that we're looking at that data and making good decisions but but the children in florida are getting what they deserve and that is a world-class education
0: It's not just the primary schools, Florida colleges and universities are also trying to get more students and professors to abandon virtual instruction and return to the classroom. But the University of Florida may have gone a bit overboard. They've told the faculty and the grad assistants they want just as many face-to-face classes in January as they had before the pandemic. Bobby Murmer with the Graduate Assistance Union says, safety is being ignored for political reasons.
2: The UF administration has decided to put political expediency in its bottom line ahead of the health of its workers, students, and our neighbors in the broader Gainesville community by mandating that at least as many face-to-face classes be offered next semester as were offered this past January, the lives and livelihoods of vulnerable students, workers, and our Gainesville neighbors be banned. Late last month, public universities and colleges across the state simultaneously announced similar reopening mandates. Faculty and students were not part of these decisions And this sudden urgency came days after after the governor's right-to-party bill that limited local communities from keeping their communities safe by limiting large gatherings was announced. These decisions were not made in the sunshine, and all signs point to backdoor pressure from the governor to project a sense of normalcy as the source. This is eerily similar to a major theme of the Trump re-election campaign, a swift, full reopening of the economy and return to business as usual. Despite the fact that such a reckless reopening will delay normalcy normals even longer and exacerbate the economic crisis and worsen our ability to manage this outbreak. UF long ago abandoned its duties to its workers, students, and Florida taxpayers in favor of artificial rankings and the size of its endowment. This is a predictable result when a public institution adopts a for-profit model, and all appointed trustees that are supposed to oversee that institution are millionaires who have no background in education, but do make large donations to Florida's political elites.
0: UF isn't the only school hell-bent on getting back to normal in spite of the danger. Professor Bob Zoller says it's pretty much the same at Florida Atlantic University.
1: FAU looks like a clone of what's going on at UF. Uh, Our understanding is from reliable sources, although unconfirmed that uh, there were multiple phone calls with the uh, president uh, of of FAU and from persons unknown, but the message was clear that there would be financial repercussions uh, in the legislature with the the looming budget cuts uh, that are expected uh, after the election uh, and that uh, if FAU did not, uh, did not uh, comply, that there, there would be uh, some, there would be repercussions, let's just say, that would not go well.
0: Karen Morian is the president of the United Faculty of Florida. She says professors and grad students want to know where this face-to-face plan came from and who's driving the train.
5: They're being told that this is coming from the Board of Governors or from the state. Um, and yet we can determine no resolution or any kind of uh, vote that was taken to the Board of Governors. Uh, there have been no meetings uh, on the record about this between any members of the Board of Governors and the presidents and provosts. And so it seems like everything is happening behind the scenes and not in the sunshine as as state law would dictate. And so that's very concerning to us uh, as public institutions that our business and the policies um, affecting our students and our communities are not being done in the sunshine. We have sent emails, we've asked questions, we're getting uh, stonewalled uh, from state leaders. Uh, And so, and what the faculty are getting is that this is a done deal and that it came from the state or the board of governors. And so uh, someone somewhere needs to take responsibility for this and for the consequences to public health that this could cause.
0: Which of course brings us back to the governor. Two more tidbits from his latest press conference. Tidbit number one, the COVID cocktail administered to the president when he came down with coronavirus will soon be available here in Florida.
1: Many people probably saw that when Donald Trump was infected, they gave him a antibody cocktail from Regen- called Regeneron, and um, you know he seemed to think it worked well. Eli Lilly has also uh, produced uh, a similar antibody cocktail. So the federal government has actually bought, and they have ready doses of all of these things and as soon as either one of them or both get emergency use authorization they're going to send it most likely, I talked to uh, Secretary Azar, most likely through the states and so if the state of Florida is getting that, we're ready for it um, you know, we're going to send that long-term care facilities and hospitals if you have an outbreak in a nursing home you have it uh, HHS thinks you can give the, the antibody cocktail to any any resident who wants it, who may not have been infected, maybe even as a prophylactic. So I think these therapeutics have been really underrated. We hear a lot of talk about the vaccine. Hopefully we'll get a vaccine. But even successful, not, not every vaccine is gonna be 100% successful. And so to have therapeutics where if someone does get infected, you know, you can reduce the severity, you know, that will take a chunk, hopefully, uh, out of mortality and let people recover better. So we're working really hard to to make sure that gets out where, where, where it needs to go.
0: And tidbit number two, DeSantis is taking credit for the resumption of high school football in Florida.
1: We're also happy that uh, fall sports resumed here in the state of Florida in all 67 counties that would not have happened uh, without the state's backing. In fact, there were many people saying that this was going to be a big problem. Actually, it would have been a big problem to deny all our student athletes the ability uh, to compete. I've been able to attend a football game and a, and a girls volleyball game. And uh, Casey and I look forward to getting out to some other events as we go.
0: Next on Sunrise In-Depth, a new report from Congress shows the high cost of doing nothing about climate change in Florida. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org promo F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Welcome back to Sunrise. Democrats have been trying to make an issue out of climate change for years, and they haven't had much luck. But a new report from the House Oversight Committee in Washington says there are significant benefits to Florida if we meet the goals of the Paris Agreement. Congresswoman Debbie Mukersel-Powell of Miami says global warming is more than just heat. It's about your health.
6: Florida is ground zero for the effects of climate change. We have been feeling the effects of climate change for the past decade. We're seeing higher sea levels, extended periods of heat, and stronger and more frequent storms. That means that for many Floridians, um, their homes, their communities are becoming unlivable. But one serious aspect of climate change that we don't discuss enough is how this is affecting our health care, As the world gets hotter, the risk of heat-related or pollutant-related illnesses and deaths has increased substantially. Heat may play a role in spreading diseases, such as the West Nile virus, which we've seen outbreaks in all of South Florida this year by altering mosquitoes' lifespan and behavior. Rising heat is also associated with an increased incidence of antibiotics-resistant bacteria. And when pregnant women are exposed to extreme temperature, their fetuses may be at an increased risk of congenital heart defects. These are just a few examples of the health effects that we're seeing.
0: Congresswoman Kathy Castor of Tampa chairs the House Select Committee on the Climate Crisis, and she says this report shows there is a huge payoff if we actually do something.
7: Tackling climate change and health benefits go hand in hand. And what this new report establishes based upon the work of one of the world's leading experts on health effects of climate change, is that Florida has so much to gain when uh, we tackle climate. Uh, It says that climate action can help prevent 100,000 deaths in Florida in the coming decades. 40,000 avoided emergency room visits and hospitalizations. 10.2 million avoided lost work days in the state. So the economic value of these health benefits, they predict, will be nearly $750 billion. So creating a safer environment for workers and for families. And it can help make communities across our state more resilient to extreme heat and flooding as we create jobs in clean energy.
0: Congressman Ted Deutch of Palm Beach County chairs the Climate Solutions Caucus in the House and he says no one in Florida can afford to ignore climate change anymore.
3: Our state is in trouble, and whether you live on the east coast or the west coast, you live in the panhandle or if you're right in the middle of our state, climate change doesn't just mean warmer seasons. It means property damage to homes and businesses from sunny day flooding and stronger hurricanes uh, and not just along the coast, but inland communities as well saltwater intrusion threatens our drinking water and the delicate ecosystem in our state and it means worsening conditions for our health and the health of our children which is what this report so powerfully lays out more polluted air and water more pollution related illnesses droughts impacting farms and disrupting our food supplies and so many other devastating impacts now uh, we're still in the middle of a pandemic and we have seen the impact that that pandemic has had, uh, especially on people with respiratory disease, with lost time at work, hospitalizations, and and unfortunately deaths. And we're reminded again today uh, with the report that just came out. Now over 760,000 people in Florida who have been infected, and over 16,300 people who have lost their lives in Florida to the pandemic to COVID-19. But the importance of this report. Found that reducing harmful emissions from the burning of fossil fuels will save lives, reduce hospitalizations, and help the economy, and will make us better prepared for the next pandemic. Despite all of this, the administration has continued to move us backward. The EPA has gutted the Clean Power Act. The administration has taxed states for imposing tougher auto emission standards, the weakened methane emission regulations, rollback critical emission regulations. Uh, simply put, For the last four years, the Trump administration's been playing this game of chicken with mother nature. That's been the approach.
0: And that is just another way of saying global warming is on the ballot this year. Early voting begins today in Dixie and Gilchrist counties. The Florida Citrus Commission meets at nine to finalize its budget and consider an increase in the tax that growers pay to help market citrus products. The Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission meets at 9:30. Democratic strategist Steve Shale speaks during an online meeting of the Flagler Tiger Bay Club at 12:15. At 1, the Florida Chamber of Commerce continues a three-day online Future of Florida forum. Speakers today include the Education Commission, the First Lady, and the CEO of Visit Florida. Trustees at St. John's River State College meet at 2. A committee set up by Citizens Property Insurance Board of Governors meets at 3 to talk about the replacement of General Counsel Dan Sumner, who's retiring in January. The Department of Agriculture Hemp Advisory Committee meets by conference call at four, and the Lake Sumter State College Trustees meet at five in Claremont. Finally today, two Florida men who worked as battalion chiefs at Polk County Fire and Rescue have resigned under fire. Brian Golden quit last month after several female employees accused him of sexual misconduct. Five women told investigators about incidents they described as sexual harassment, unwanted advances, a physical attack, and a sexual assault. He denies everything, but submitted his letter of resignation two days after the investigation wrapped up. A second battalion chief, Jeremiah Gilley, was accused of some of the same behavior, but he resigned before the investigation was done. Polk County issued a statement saying, "'We are very disappointed in these former battalion chiefs. This is not how we expect our supervisors to conduct themselves.'" That's it for today's installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.